This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, this is Frank Hannon. I'm the lead guitarist of Tesla, and you're listening to my friend Jay Scott on the Hook Rock. better song about music than let's do the talking by aerosmith that song just man this song just kills on a tuesday morning right how's everybody doing today how's everybody uh how's everybody's week going hope everybody had a great weekend welcome back to the grind Thank you again for the great feedback from some of the previous episodes we've done. The Ronnie James Dio episode has um, just been fantastic in the reaction and the feedback from all of you. So thank you very much for listening to that episode and checking it out. If you haven't yet, 
It's a great episode about Ronnie James Dio from the perspective of a very passionate fan. Nino, my friend Nino from Chicago, just really brings the emotion and the passion and the experience of being a Dio fan from a very young age. So check that out. Um, Just a great episode. Thank you for listening to the review episodes of the two concerts I went to this past weekend. Them Dirty Roses just absolutely killed it on Friday. And the Dead Daisies, Don Jameson, and the Black Moods were just absolutely incredible at the Forge this past Saturday. So check those out. Check that review episode out as well. Got some good things cooking here, as always, so check that out. we got a great episode today. Rob uh, from Skylabs, at Skylab Tapes on Twitter, is back to uh, talk audio quality for streaming services. So I know you're all going to enjoy that. His last episode where we talked about you know, building a, a stereo system or you know, getting a turntable and, and some of the differences you know, versus vinyl and sound wars, and, or loudness wars, I should say. So I know you're going to enjoy it because you did the last one. He really brings a lot of information. He really is a great guest. Honored to have him back. And we're going to be doing something quarterly with him uh, moving forward as we are um, a few different past guests. Uh, we're going to be moving towards that model here in uh, in 2022 where We're going to be taking some of the popular discussions that we have and bringing them to you on a quarterly basis, whether it's Christian Eagle on the NFT blockchain technology piece and the business side of music that she does so well. Of course, Chris Corradetti and our quarterly episodes that, uh, you know, we rank the albums that are the top albums for the previous quarter. I know all of you really do enjoy that because we always get the uh, the request for them every time and a quarter does end. So thank you very much for checking that out. I do appreciate it. Like I said, Rob at Skylab Tapes, there's going to be others too as well. Um, we're going to be really doing a little bit different things here in the, in the new year. I always like to change things up. I don't like to be stagnant. I think it's important just for the evolution of the show just to keep doing something different, to keep it fresh for you, the listener, and for me, too. You know, I do these episodes three times a week, two, three times a week, sometimes four. And, you know, I, you can't have something that's monotonous all the time because that kind of makes it boring. And I want to keep this being fun for me and fun for you to listen. So hopefully you'll enjoy and appreciate some of the changes that we're going to be doing as of the first of the year. We're going to start doing them in the fourth quarter uh, and obviously, you know, we're ending the third quarter here with Rob, but just uh, be on the lookout for that stuff coming soon. Once again, let's get a word from our sponsor and then let's talk to Rob about the best quality streaming services that are out there. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Say it with us Blue Chew. Blue Chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom by offering chewable. Tablets that can help men get stronger and longer lasting erections. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets 
help men achieve harder, stronger erections to combat all forms of ED, erectile dysfunction. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredients and strength for your prescription. Don't like swallowing pills? No problem here. Blue Chew's Sidenafil and Tadalafil tablets are chewable. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and they prepare and ship direct. So it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And here's a special deal for Hook Rocks listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use promo code MILKSHAKE at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com promo code MILKSHAKE to receive your first month free. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the Hook Rocks podcast. It's time, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in. My next guest is a return guest making his second visit to the Hook Rocks. His first visit had a huge, huge reaction and a huge positive uh, feedback from all of you. Uh, We did an episode on stereos and turntables, building your own stereo and the importance of what equipment to have and where where you can find, you know, when you're starting out, what equipment to buy. It it was a great episode and uh, I'd like to welcome him back because we're going to start doing this on a quarterly basis. We're kind of going to have our audio geek episode where you can tune in and listen to how sound quality affects how you absorb music and where to find the best quality in terms of speakers, turntables. We're going to be talking about earplugs at concerts. And this episode is very important because it really impacts a lot of music lovers and how they listen to music. A vast majority gets their music now via streaming services, no longer the physical copy that we all know and love and we all grew up on. There are music fans that still do buy that, do buy the physical copy and absorb it through a physical format. However, there are a lot of music listeners, namely younger people, that strictly get their music from streaming services. I do both. I buy albums and I buy CDs as a majority, as as someone who likes to collect music and likes to listen to the physical format. But I also subscribe to a streaming service because if I'm at the gym or taking a walk or, you know, I don't have a CD in my car, I can always put it on. I can also make playlists for the Hook Rocks Twitter page where people can go and check out new music. So there's a lot of cool things that streaming services offer, and we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about which ones, if you're really into sound quality, are the ones for you. And I'd like to welcome in Rob, and as you know him, you, you can find him on Twitter at Skylab Tapes. A great guest, very, very informative, knows his stuff, and welcome back, Rob. How you doing? I am doing great, Jan. It is great to be back on the show. I really appreciate it, and uh, looking forward to the chance to geek out on sound here a little bit. 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, the last episode you did was great. It got so much positive feedback. People were totally into it. And, you know, I think it is important for a lot of people that listen to music because they want the best quality. I think consumers as a whole want the best quality, whether it's, a you know, the quality cell phone, whether it's the quality TV, whatever it is, they want the best. And hopefully we can shed some light on streaming services in terms of which ones have the best sound quality, how they process the music and the differences, and hopefully... People listen and uh, will go that route in terms of next time they have to pay that monthly bill. Maybe they cancel and go with another service. Who knows? But Yeah, and I think it's a, it, what you said is right. We're actually seeing overall, uh, especially over the last year or so, an, a significant increase in the quality of the offerings in streaming services. And I do think that that has been consumer-driven, right? That's been driven by the fact that fundamentally people really do want better quality uh, uh, sound when they're listening to music. Uh, but it's hard to demand that when you don't really know what's in the way, right? When you don't, when you don't actually know why you're listening to something and you think, gosh, you know, this doesn't really sound as good as it should. Uh, and, uh, you know, for the, unfortunately still, for the vast majority of people who are listening to music via streaming, you know, they're not getting sound quality as good as CDs. Uh, and so let's talk a little bit about kind of why that is uh, and, you know, what people can do so that they can actually get the best possible quality sound out of, you know, sort of any streaming service. But then, you know, ultimately even picking a streaming service based on sound quality itself. You know, before we begin, I want to tell this story about what we just talked about, about the consumer wanting the best quality. In my, yeah. early, in my early 20s, I worked for Motorola. And it was at the height of Motorola's market share in terms of cell phones. They were pretty much the only kid on the block at that time. And everybody who was buying cell phones, remember those old brick phones that everybody used to have, that Motorola was what everybody wanted. Motorola cell phones. Oh, at least my first three cell phones were Motorola. Yeah, yeah. And (laughs) while I was working there, they had the chance to go into developing digital technology and better technology for cell phones, but they wanted to stay on the analog side. And when I say analog versus digital, I know kind of we, we talk a lot about that when it comes to music. It's basically yep. how the phone call is processed on the back end, right? right. So it's not yep. like you know. So you wouldn't really would notice the difference in the phone that you're. You're, you're handling or you're touching and you're making calls of, it's when you put it up to your ear and you hear the quality of the phone and the quality of reception. So right. Motorola thought that the consumer wanted to stay in analog, which is an, was an affordable way of getting a cell phone, cell phone service. And there was a company called Nokia that put all their money into digital technology and developing a digital phone. Well, Two years after that decision, Motorola had lost so much market share because they underestimated the consumer. The consumer always wants the best product, whether it's you know whether it's it's a TV, phone, music, whatever. So when you're trying to decide on what you want and how you want to absorb it, how you want to see it, how you want to have it in your house, whatever, you are typically always going to go with what is told to you is the best. Yep. And that's a perfect example. I mean, you think of 
I don't even know if Motorola still makes cell phones anymore. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. I don't think they do. And, it, <laughs> and it's it's in large part because they made that decision that caused thousands of layoffs with their company because once the digital age entered into cell phones, they couldn't keep up. They couldn't get back that market share. Right. Right. Yeah. That's always, that's always tough. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think that that's, that that played out, you know, fundamentally with, um, and, you know, the initial emergence of digital audio in the form of a compact disc, right. For the vast majority of people, CD represented an improvement in sound quality. Right. I mean, there, you know, I'm still a believer that, uh, you know, a well, and we talked about this in the last show, you know, that a well-designed and set up, uh, you know, vinyl playback system sounds better than CD, uh, at least to these ears. But, you know, for at the time CD came out, for most people, CD was an improvement in sound. There's, uh, there's just no question about it. Um, CD itself uh, improved in sound quality over time, uh, which helped. Uh, and then, of course, we talked uh, uh, last time about the loudness wars and how, you know, some of CD and digital audio in general's uh, capabilities aren't even being used properly, which is a bummer. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, what's funny is that CD itself sounds significantly better than most streaming has over the lifetime of streaming audio services until recently. Right. So, uh, you know, there, you know, anybody who was listening to streamed audio wasn't even getting CD quality sound. And even now you have to work at it, which is exactly what we're going to cover here today. When you think of streaming services and, and you, do you, do you have a streaming service that you subscribe to? I do. And, oh. it's, and even that's funny in and of itself, right? So I, I was 100% no go on streaming services uh, until um, uh, Amazon introduced its HD streaming service. So that, uh, you know, they, they, that service offers actually at a minimum CD quality sound and often better than CD quality sound. And it was at that time when I finally said, you know what, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm ready to do this. It was also economically advantageous for, um, uh, for Amazon Prime customers, right? So the price was good. And price is a factor in streaming services for people, for sure, because it's a monthly expense. Um, but, uh, you know, there, and I, like you, I mean, I use, I use streaming primarily, uh, honestly, you know, in the car or just when I want to check something out, right. I'm a physical music guy. I buy, if I like music, I buy it. Um, but, uh, it is handy to have a streaming services, both for auditioning stuff to determine whether I want to buy it or not. Um, uh, or, um, uh, you know, or, you know, when you're on the go or whatever, but, uh, you know, I, uh, uh, you know, I, it wasn't until you could actually get until I could get a streaming service that I thought was an acceptable, uh, audio quality that I, that I stuck a toe in. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that though. Right. I mean, and, and kind of how, uh, how streaming services have to be evaluated. Um, you know, sound, it's funny, analog sound is physics, right? It's, waves, right? I mean, people, I think, fundamentally understand the idea of a sound wave. Um, sound is created by air molecules moving. Uh, that I don't know whether people generally know, but that's how sound happens. Air molecules move, and these incredibly delicate instruments that we're all lucky enough to have that are called ears uh, are able to understand the movement of air. And sound begins and ends in analog. It has to, because uh, the movement of air is fundamentally an analog process. 
and your ears need that. So, uh, you know, even on this phone call, I'm wearing a headset. Uh, you know, as you pointed out, the phone call is being processed digitally, but the actual headset is moving air and that, uh, and the sound gets converted to analog before the speaker driver in the headset moves the air. So, you know, at its beginning and at its end, no matter what you're doing, uh, sound is analog. Now, in between, uh, when we're listening to uh, sound from you know the vast majority of sources today, except for playing records um, or for the really crazy people playing tapes, uh, you know, the sound gets converted to digital at some point and then gets reconverted back. And all of the streaming services, you know, are obviously operating entirely in the digital domain. So while analog audio is physics, digital audio is math. <laughs> it is 100% math. It is about uh, it is about a couple of very specific variables. So what digital audio does, very briefly, is it samples the analog waveform, um, and the process of converting analog to digital is about how often that sampling takes place, which is called the sample rate, and the resolution of the sample, which is called the bit depth. Um, so those things, and you know, some people probably have seen, okay, well, CD is 16-bit resolution and is 44.1 kilohertz. I know it's a lot of math. Um, sampling rate. So CD being kind of thought of by most people as the gold standard of digital audio, um, and we'll, you know, we'll even though it's not the highest digital audio quality you can get, we'll kind of take it at that for the purpose of this discussion. Um, you, uh, you know, that fundamentally is uh, um, the resolution of CD digital audio. Now, to get C to get any kind of digital audio down a pipe, right, like the internet, which is a pipe, um, you have what's referred to and the most common uh, metric for uh, streaming services, the bit rate. Okay, um, the bit rate for CD is 1.411 megabits per second, right? And bit rate is always in bits per second, some number of bits per second, kilobits per second, which is 1,000 bits per second, or megabits per second, uh, which is 1,000 kilobits per second, right? That's how, that's how all that digital stuff works. Um, uh, you, uh, CD's bit rate is relatively high. Um, and when streaming services started, the internet was not, and especially the last mile, right, what we all get at home, was really not capable of delivering good, uh, reliable streams at, uh, uh, you know, at that kind of a bit rate, right? So if you think about, uh, you know, how we started to get internet back, you know, when you and I started to get it, right? I mean, dial-up internet, we thought it was a big deal when it got to 56 kilobits per second, <laughs> right? That isn't even close enough for any of the current streaming services to operate. Isn't it funny to think about that? Yeah. I mean, you literally could not stream music over the, over the beginnings of home internet access. Slowly over time, uh, bandwidth started to improve and you started to get to the point where, you know, some kind of music listening, real time music listening, um, over the internet was actually possible. Um, uh, but even then it required a lot of uh, what we're going to talk about next, which is uh, which is lossy compression. Okay, so you have this very high bit rate of CD, um, and you have a pipe that doesn't really allow you 
to push that much data, right? So what to do? Well, what happened was uh, uh, this concept came uh, about called lossy compression. And the idea is actually, it really should be called data reduction and not compression. But the idea is that you run a thing that's called a perceptual audio coder and you figure out through math or math um, what part of the music you can throw in the trash. <laughs> that's literally what something like MP, MP3 or any of the algorithms that are used to, uh, you know, to stream audio at a bit rate lower than CD do. They figure out what, you, what the algorithm thinks you can't hear or won't miss uh, in your music and just doesn't code that. So, you know, fundamentally, all levels of bitrate lower than CD are throwing away some amount of the digital and audio information that is on the CD or not. And in the 90s, Jay, there were raging arguments on the Internet about what was and wasn't audible, right? I mean, people and 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 I mean, like people would get, I mean, they would get personal about it. It was because it was a heated topic for a lot of people, right? I mean, you know, were you actually getting uh, at different bit rates? Were you actually getting enough audio quality for music to be enjoyed? Um, and you know, I think that that's still, uh, you know, that's still something that is very real today. Even though, you know, the modern internet is capable of uh, easily handling even CD resolution audio, right? I mean, I, you know, I did a speed check just before we got on this call and, you know, my home internet bandwidth now is a hundred megabits per second, right? So, uh, you know, I could, I could easily stream, uh, you know, if, I mean, 10 different people in my house could listen to different things streamed over the internet without problem, right? Um, but that's not where we started. And unfortunately, the streaming services, um, uh, you know, they got started in an era where, you know, they needed to make sure that they could have people get reliable streaming kind of regardless of what their internet bandwidth was like. Um, and, you know, a lot of people just want to do that over the phone where, they, you know, they're using their phone for uh, internet and, you know, bandwidth is still somewhat more restricted there. Although, you know, with the advent of 4G and 5G, it's better. And so when streaming services started, man, they were bad. Uh, I mean, from an audiophile perspective, Jay, they were terrible. Um, they were, and, and even still, you know, some internet radio um, is operating at a very low bit rate. Uh, and you can just, and those are easy to tell. So let's go through those real quick. So at the very, at the very top, we've said you've got, um, you know, a, a CD, true CD quality stream is, and we'll, we'll keep everything in kilobits to make the math as easy as possible. Right, so it's uh, it's fourteen hundred kilobits per second. Um, at the very bottom of the streaming barrel um, uh, is a bit rate of sixty four kilobits per second, which you can tell is a tiny, tiny fraction of what CD quality audio is. Um, and when you listen to sixty four kilobits per second, the artifact that you hear, which is most people perceive as kind of a swooshing sound to the audio, right? Almost, I've heard people describe it as it sounds like the audio is at the bottom of a barrel, right? Um, you know, that's what it sounds like. And it's funny, I, I mean, I've listened to a couple of things recently that I could tell were, you know, probably not doing much better than that. And I, I mean, I personally can't listen to that for more than a second or two. It's that, you know, I, I, I think it's that bad. Um, 
the unfortunately that was pretty common. Um, the better streaming services, even initially, were about twice that. They were 128 kilobits per second, and 128 kilobits per second is still a very common um, uh, bit rate. Even though, again, if if you do the math, it's less than 10 percent of the bit rate for full CD quality audio. Um, so it's still, uh, you know, unquestionably compromised. But if you have, uh, and again, we, you know, to, to bring this to the current vendors of, uh, of streaming, if you use Spotify, um, what Spotify free classifies as its high quality mode is 128 kilobits per second. Um, which, uh, you know, I personally think is sort of the absolute bare minimum bit rate that provides anywhere close to a good listening experience. And it's still not something I would ever want to listen to through a stereo, through like an actual home stereo. For the car, it's probably fine. For earbuds, it's fine. Um, but, you know, not still not terrific uh, by any stretch of the imagination. And Spotify, you know, because, you know, they are, you know, they are the big dog of the streaming service. And, and you know, they have to consider, you know, how much bandwidth they have to serve up, right? Not just, you know, what any individual listener wants to listen to. Um, if you use the Spotify app and you don't go in and change the settings, which I have no idea, but I bet, you know, more than half the people probably never do. Um, then you're only getting by default their quote normal uh, bit rate, which is 96 kilobits per second, which is definitely, I mean, full of artifacts. Uh, all right. So I got, let, me, let me just step in here for a second because you've yeah, given yeah. us like a lot of information. I know that's uh, a lot. Yeah. For uh, sure. Um, let's kind of back up a little bit. Okay. Yep. So when you're talking bit rates and you're talking all these things, how. What is the easiest way for a consumer who, you know, doesn't have the ear most people do or, you know, they're looking for ways to define the differences? So we know the bit rates. We know the stuff on the back end. We know the stuff on the technology that enables the music to be fed to us, right? Yep. Yep. Once it's fed to us, how do we as a consumer listen to know the differences. Yeah. So that, that, I mean, that's kind of exactly where I was getting to. So, you know, the first thing that any user has to do in whatever streaming service that they pick is you got to go into the settings and tell it that you want the highest quality audio it can provide. Because these days with the internet being fairly robust and bandwidth being fairly robust, you're not doing yourself any favors by listening to, you know, anything below the highest quality and all of them have these kinds of settings, right? So, you know, there, you know, unless you, unless you legitimately live in an area with terrible bandwidth, um, for whatever reason, which, you know, I mean, no one in the city of Chicago, for example, probably has that situation. I mean, even the, even the cellular networks better than that. Uh, the first thing I would do, no matter what service you're on is go in and choose that you want the streaming quality to be the highest they offer. Right. And if you even Spotify free, for example, the rates are all worse than the Spotify paid. And we're going to get to that in a second uh, to answer your this is the second part of answering your question. Um, but even still, there are different levels. 
right? They offer a low, normal, and high. And you want to go in and change it to high. Amazon is the same thing. I mean, if you even even with their HD premium HD service, um, you have to go in and set it for that or you don't get it, right? So go into your app, whatever you've already chosen, um, and set it for the highest possible audio quality you can get. And the only reason to, to change it back is if for some reason you're having problems, right? But the vast majority of people won't experience that. That's the big thing. And then there's a question about the paid versus free, right? So, of course, there's, you know, completely separate from audio quality. You know, a lot of the free services give you ads, right? And that's the, you know, and that's kind of the big, when you pay, you know, the big thing you're getting, the big thing you're getting rid of is the ads, um, you know, YouTube for music, all of that. But the, the premium services, uh, you know, also uh, at this point all provide a higher end of audio quality if you're using one of their paid services. So again, to use the, to use the big dog Spotify as the example, the top three bit rate um, for, uh, for Spotify is 128 kilobits per second. And for their, for, for the paid version, it's 320. So it's almost triple and it's considerably better. Um, so while Spotify doesn't today offer um, the same CD quality audio that now a bunch of the streaming services do at the top end of their you know paid tiers. Uh, at least Spotify Premium, if you go in and set it to its highest quality mode, will give you pretty good audio. When someone does listen to it, right? When someone's listening for the sound, like what is like the biggest difference between say an Amazon, which you just talked, that has the highest quality in streaming service to something like an Apple or a, a, uh, a Spotify where, where if I put on the same song and I listen to, you know, a song, the song on Spotify, a song on Amazon, a song on Apple, what differences will I hear when I do that? Yeah. So that, you know, it's funny. Once you start to, there's a dangerous road to go down because once you start to listen to this stuff, you can't unhear it. <laughs> and so for some people, it's almost better you know, to not think about it too much. Um, the place where it's the mo- where digital artifacts, that's what you get are, di- are digital artifacts. So the artifacts of what I was talking about before of, of actually reducing the amount of data of information that you hear, right? Because when you have a lower bit rate, you are being given less musical information. So what are you not getting? Well, you know, you're not getting things like, you know, the, the, um, sustain of a symbol, right? You hear the crash, but you don't hear the decay. Um, you don't, the, the same is true for guitar notes, right? You can, you know, you hear the note, but you don't necessarily hear, you know, the, the, the depth of the effect that was used on the guitar, right? You, you can't, uh, vocals the same. You can hear the vocal, but you won't hear the decay of the reverb in the vocal. Um, so, you know, there, you know, and depending, and again, depending on your listening environment, you might never notice, or you might, um, you know, if you're sitting, listening to a home stereo in a, in a relatively quiet room, you can easily hear those things or not hear them as the case may be. Right. Um, if you're in the car, some cars have absolutely phenomenal stereos and have done a lot to their cabins to make them quiet. You can hear the difference. I tell you, one of the things that is that that is the most um, egregious today still in terms of its use of data compression is satellite radio. 
right? So the worst audio quality I ever hear is from Sirius XM. Um, it's the most compressed. Uh, and it's actually still, you know, they do have a bandwidth problem because they're delivering by satellite, right? So, and they're, you know, they're trying to deliver a bazillion stations. Uh, and as a result of that, you know, a lot of them are very compressed. So, uh, you know, do you have XM uh, in your car? Yes, I do. So the next time you're in the car, you know, flip around some of those stations. And then uh, what streaming service do you use? I use Spotify. Okay. So then after you've gone in and, and made sure that your Spotify is in the highest quality mode, um, you know, try to, you know, try to find a song on Spotify that you just heard on XM and listen to the difference. And even there, you'll be able to tell um, that, you know, even the Spotify, which is still heavily data reduced, will sound better um, than the XM will. And that's a good example. I mean, the, the kind of artifacts that you hear on Sirius XM will, uh, you know, will are the most obvious, right? And it's, and again, it's, it's kind of those, it's kind of those, uh, you know, specific things. It's, it, it's fundamentally the details, um, of the music that has to get discarded when the, when the data compression gets the strongest. And for me, that's a real problem, right? I mean, for me, a lot of what really gets me into some of the music I listen to are the details. Um, so missing that, you know, again, it's fine if I'm driving to the bank, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, if, uh, you know, if I'm sitting down and listen to an, listening to an album, I don't want that. Now, again, fortunately, you don't have to suffer through that anymore, right? So you've got Amazon offering full CD quality plus now with their HD streaming services. Um, Apple now offers, uh, you know, they've been using a lossless codec for a while um, in their, uh, that they have as a part of their whole iOS um, infrastructure, but they're now offering also CD quality audio, uh, which is great. Um, there has been for a while a streaming service called Tidal. Have you ever heard of them? Yeah. Um, that's, that's all about audio quality, right? I mean, they, their whole reason for being was that they were CD quality or better, right? They never offered a worse level of audio quality than that. Um, now they're, you know, they're less, they're much less well known than the others, but at least, at least plenty of options. And those options aren't necessarily even more expensive. Uh, you know, again, if you're a, if you're, if you're already paying for Amazon Prime, um, you know, getting Amazon's HD music service is, you know, not super expensive compared to what, uh, uh some of the other services that offer that level of quality are. So, you know, there are, there, there's no longer really a reason to suffer as a streaming user with really bad audio quality, but it takes to, you know, again, exactly to the question you just asked, it takes a little bit of work. Um, it takes some work in your app to make sure that you have asked for the best quality that that streaming service will provide. And then it takes, uh, and then, you know, if you're, if you're, uh, really wanting to maximize things, you should choose a streaming service that offers uh, really high quality digital audio uh, to begin with. I've always felt that Sirius XM, when I listen to it, I feel like I, I have water in my ears. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly the description I would have. They're like the sound is underwater. Right. Yep. Right. Like it's in yeah. like a tube being sucked out, you know, and, it's, yep. it, it, and it sounds really kind of wavy. It's inconsistent with how it sounds. Um, and it, it really does, it really does suffer. You know, the music does suffer on Sirius XM. Now, if you're listening to like a talk show, 
you know, where you don't really have a need for high quality where you can get through it, right? You're just hearing somebody talk. Yep. I think that's probably more acceptable, but when you're trying to use Sirius XM as, you know, the music that you're listening to, it just doesn't do it for me. Just, I've never been able to turn on Boneyard or Hair Nation or any of those stations and keep listening more than two or three songs into it because I just get so annoyed. Yeah, same. Uh, you know, there, I, I have it, you know, I mean, the, most of the time when you buy a car, it comes with for a while. Right. And so, uh, you know, and I tend to, I tend to keep it as long as it was as long as it's free from the car purchase. And then I don't, uh, for that exact reason, uh, you know, it just, it, it is, it is very poor audio quality. And, you know, there, it's a shame in my opinion, of course, that, uh, that, that Sirius hasn't, um, taken more, uh, that they haven't cared more about audio quality than they do because they could improve the sound quality that they deliver by offering less stations. Um, and they've chosen breadth of programming almost to the point of absurdity. And again, my opinion, right. I mean, there's, they have micro, micro, micro formats. <laughs> um, and, you know, as a result of that, though, you know, they have an awful, they have an awful lot of compression and their sound quality is not good. Um, so I'm the same way. I, you know, I, for me, uh, you know, XM is a couple of songs. Well, uh, you know, I'm on a short car ride and can't be bothered to dial something up on the phone. As far as the streaming services go, uh, we're moving towards better quality, right? We're, I mean, everyone is going whether it's Spotify yes, and Apple and, you know, to lesser extents, Pandora and others, is it going to get to the point where some of these also rans, they call them, you know, also ran, you know, streaming services or the ones that don't invest in technology to improve the quality of what they're putting out will suffer and eventually go out of business? It's hard for me to imagine that they won't. Um, you know, there, I mean, I, I, I don't think, I mean, based on the history of how the company's operated, I don't think that Spotify would ever get into you know, the truly CD quality audio game if it hadn't been for both Amazon and Apple doing so. Right. And, uh, you know, they're, you know, they're, uh, they're pushing the Amazon, especially frankly, pushing the envelope. And of course, Amazon is also the big giant dog in the web services business. So they were maybe the best position to do it. Um, but they're pushing the envelope in terms of sound quality obviously has gotten people's attention. Um, and that's, and that's great. I mean, you know, for me, anything that creates more availability of a higher quality listening experience is a good thing. Uh, and so, you know, the fact that now, you know, it's two of the big dogs, I mean, it was great when Tidal introduced it and they were the first. Um, but now the two of the big dogs in that, in that game, uh, you know, Apple and Amazon are both offering that level of quality, I, you know, I, I, it's hard for me to imagine that all boats won't rise. Right. I mean, you know, when, because when you start to hear that, um, you know, people will say, well, wow, I want my streaming to sound that good. I mean, you know, just like we started this conversation and you said it fundamentally, people do want their music to sound good. <laughs> now, you know, everybody has their, you know, the, uh, amount of willingness they have to make sacrifices to that based on, uh, you know, their own, uh, you know, situations, but, um, given the chance to listen to good sound and bad sound, people are going to choose good sound a hundred percent of the time. All of the things being equal. 
Because we always hear, you know, CD quality is always the best. And, you know, for a while that has always been true. But, you know, I've even noticed because I have Amazon Prime and every now and then I get those free offers to hear Amazon Music. And it's great quality. I've often said that Amazon is the best streaming service. Even like like last year, like, you know, before that, you know, I was kind of like, because it just always sounded better. However, yep. Spotify has the market share. So Spotify sure has pretty much everybody under the sun has Spotify or Apple. What will it take? For, I mean, Amazon definitely does have the money to invest in it and you know, overcome their competitors. I mean, they've done it in retail. Obviously, everybody buys stuff on Amazon. Everybody shops on Amazon. So you'd think that based on that, that eventually – Amazon is going to keep putting money in, and it's almost like if if they were to get into a spending war with Spotify and Apple, my money's on Amazon. Yeah, I agree, Bim. And because of Amazon Web Services, right? I mean, you know, there are I mean, so many companies that deliver content via the internet are doing it using Amazon Web Services anyway. So to your point, there's no question that Amazon has a you know price advantage there, right? I mean that you know that's that's their that's their business, um, and so uh, you know they're and that's why I mean Amazon doesn't I mean, CD for Amazon's HD streaming services CD quality is actually the worst that they offer, right? I mean they're you know they're a lot of the albums that I listen to on Amazon HD are better than CD quality, right? They're the you know the the, the highest level of digital audio bit rate and, and uh, sample rate that you can even get. Um, so, and you know, they'll, they'll, it flashes up the little ultra HD symbol on their uh, streaming app when you're getting it in that quality. And I mean, it's that, you know, you're starting to get into incredibly impressive sound quality. I mean, that's the thing just in the last two years, Jay, the game has gone from all streaming services are a compromise to you can now listen if you do a few things right um, and are willing to pay for a premium service. You can listen to streaming audio that is as good as digital audio can possibly be in your home. And that's a huge shift. Uh, you know, I mean, it was not like that even just a couple of years ago. So, you know, that's, that's big progress. And, you know, the last, the, last, the last bridge to be crossed, just like you said, is for Spotify to offer uh, you know, a truly, truly high quality CD plus uh, level of some sort, whether that's even, you know, Spotify super premium or whatever they end up doing. Um, but to offer to offer their subscribers an ability to get digital audio that's that good. Do the artists that are on these platforms get more money if someone listens to their music and a higher quality option? Boy, that's a good question. I don't, I don't actually know the answer to that. Uh, you know, it would be my guess. Unfortunately, is no, Probably. right? I mean, there's the whole, there's the whole nastiness of the, of the, you know, musician economics of streaming that you know that's a, a completely different subject and is not one I'm expert in. But uh, you know, way more about that than I do. But the, uh, but it, you know, but it's, and, you know, and we all know it kind of stinks. Um, but, uh, but you know, that said, there are some artists that do care about audio quality for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, uh, you know, those, and you'll see it. I mean, sometimes I, I, am not sure it's the, it's the artist that determines what comes on, um, Amazon as, uh, you know, HD or ultra HD, but, 
but some artists, it's very clear that they, you know, they wanted their, you know, I mean, and for them that starts, you know, when they make the recording in the first place and then having made a really good quality recording, I, you know, they want people to listen to it in a way that sounds good. Uh, and so, uh, you know, there, uh, you know, there's no doubt that by making the highest quality digital audio available to the streaming services, they will encourage, they encourage that. Yeah. It's just an interesting dynamic when you're, you know, talking about really the big three are Spotify, Apple, and Amazon. Um, yep. You know, Pandora we used to be the big, you know, the big kid on the block, but they're not even, they don't, I don't even think they even have 20% of the market share right now. Yeah. And it's funny because they were, yeah, my, my impression of Pandora, you know, having only been a very early user and then abandoning it was, you know, that they, they were, you know, more a radio service to some extent or kind of a hybrid streaming radio service than they were a true streaming platform. Right. I mean, with, I don't know about today, today with Pandora, can you just dial up whatever songs you want? Cause you didn't used to be able to do that. You right. Know, I mean, I it know. was picking songs for you, uh, you know, based on, you know, but you'd, you'd tell it what you're interested in and then it would serve up a bunch of music to you based on what it thought you, what else it thought you would want to hear. And all you could do is skip stuff. Right. It wasn't like you could make your own playlist and pick your own song, song by song, the way the other streaming services allow you to or, you know, do what uh, what you you know, what you know, I'm so fond of, which is listen to albums in their entirety. (laughs) Yeah, because I'm an album guy. Yeah, me too. Yep. Yep. When you look towards the future of where these streaming services are going, what's next? I mean, you're talking about quality that is better than CDs, which for a long time was regarded as the, you know, the top end of the totem pole. But now you can't really say that because of all the technology that's been developed. Where does this keep going? Where do, where does these, where do the streaming services, you know, keep defining themselves? Yeah. I mean, what's, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing. I mean, so the great news for music lovers and, and music lovers who are interested in, in, in high sound quality is that this period that we've just been in, the differentiation for these streaming services has been about sound quality, finally, right? Um, and, uh, and, you know, that's giving consumers a great benefit. You know, I think there's one more rung to be uh, gotten out of that, uh, and you're starting to see some of this, um, which is, uh, you know, there's some, uh, there's some enhanced audio capabilities beyond even uh, CD quality like Dolby Atmos, um, which is, uh, you know, a way to get, uh, surround sound through headphones, um, that, you know, s- some artists have started to, uh, record in Dolby Atmos. And, you know, that's something that some streaming services are starting to offer. And that is something that I think they'll continue to use as, you know, a quality differentiator that right now is just, you know, very, very small amount of content available, uh, that way, but there will be more and more, right. Which will be cool. And I think that there will be, there will be things like that. Uh, you know, once you get though to the level of audio quality that you know we already have from now, um, from uh, from Amazon and Apple, um, uh, you know, I you know I think they'll probably start to look at more things that are not necessarily audio related. Um, uh, you know, I would, <laughs> you know, I know there are a lot of people that would like to see you know a permanent download option, right? I mean, you can download. Uh, you can download songs in Amazon to your phone, 
but they're only accessible by the Amazon app. And if you ever stop subscribing, you know, you don't have them. I mean, it's that, it's that whole sort of rent buy uh, question, right? I mean, streaming services are just renting. Um, and if the streaming service, for whatever reason, goes away, you, you don't own any of that music, right? You'll be lucky if you can export your playlist. <laughs> um, but you won't be able to do anything with them. Right. So, uh, you know, there it would be. And I think artists, it'd be nice if uh, also, again, of course, artists could benefit from that. Right. If you could start to get the option of getting high quality downloads where you pay. Um, the only one that does that today, of course, is Apple. Right. You can you can buy downloads from Apple and those are in, in you. Those are transportable. They're not locked into the Apple infrastructure. You also have the option on Amazon Prime that if you buy certain albums, you get the digital download. Uh, I guess that's true. If you buy the album, if you buy the actual physical album from them, that's right. Yeah, and that's always uh, that. You know, that's been that's been great. Uh, that's been great for me by, in buying vinyl, right? Because it is handy still to have the digital version available to you. Uh, and uh, you know, when you buy vinyl, you still get the digital download from them, which uh, I agree that that's something I wish more. Uh, that I wish more places would do. I, you know, it's a, it's a little bit off topic, but why every vinyl album that you buy doesn't come with a digital download card just absolutely frosts me. <laughs> I mean, and the artists are missing, the artists and the labels are both missing it, right? I mean, they should absolutely be doing that. Uh, and it's bizarre to me that they don't all, but. Yeah, because it's a, it's a great way to keep that piece of music with you. You can't, exactly. you can't, you know, open up your trunk and have this record player like tied down and everything. So, you know, and then you put the album in your trunk, close the trunk and you start driving off. That that just doesn't exist. Um, exactly. If you want, if labels want people to have an, you know, even deeper appreciation, labels and artists want people to have an even deeper appreciation for the albums that they've paid for, uh, you know, giving people who buy them on vinyl, which makes artists the most money of anything that you can possibly buy their music in, uh, uh, you know, giving them the ability to then also listen to it on the go from their phone by giving them a download card seems like the biggest no-brainer on earth, but um, doesn't always happen, bizarrely. Does the type of phone affect the sound quality coming from the streaming services? Yeah, to a point. You know, the, the, I mean, the modern smartphone is, an absolute marvel of technology. Of course, it's where most of the technological innovation of the last 10 years has gone on earth. Um, uh, so it, it should, um, but you know, the, 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 the audio capability of a, you know, last couple generation smartphone is light years beyond what high end digital to analog converters were you know, 10 years ago. I mean, it's just, it, it's just, it's almost mind blowing. I mean, there, you know, very, very few people, um, take full advantage of the audio capabilities that their phone, uh, is, is actually capable of providing them. Right. I mean, they're, you know, an iPhone, uh, a current last couple generations of iPhone will do, uh, significantly better than CD audio quality from a processing perspective. Um, and, uh, you know, if you get a pair of really good headphones and you know, listen to one of the better streaming services, you're getting an actually just remarkably good sound quality from that experience. Um, and that wasn't always the case, right? I mean, you know, there was, 
it was certainly the case, uh, you know, back in the earlier days of, of the smartphones. I mean, they would play, you know, they would play music, but you were, you know, the, the audio chips, both for the digital audio processing and the built-in headphone amplifiers that they had were just not all that great. You know, there was a period of time uh, in, the, uh, in the 2000s where there was a very robust market for external headphone amplifiers to be used with smartphones. Isn't that crazy, and you like that. I mean, that that there's still a few people that are doing that, but that market basically dried up. And the reason that that was happening was that the phones really weren't providing that great an audio experience. And you know, now for the most part, they do. Um, you know, they're they're remarkable in that regard. As far as you know, where things go and how people listen in terms of like cell phones and and you mentioned headphones. You know, will there get to a point where, you know, well, I should ask this. Are there stereo systems that offer you to link up to your Spotify or Amazon account? Yeah, the, 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 you know, more and more people there. Again, that's the kind of thing that's been driven by consumer demand. So there are more and more there are more and more people that are doing that. So, for example, I use in my uh, uh, in my uh, big rig, as I lovingly refer to it. Right. I use a. Um, a, uh, they literally call it a streamer, right? So I have a component, uh, that, uh, and it's made by Morant. So it's, you know, it's a relatively, it's a relatively high end component, but I mean, we're talking about a thing, you know, again, for me in the context of, you know, how I feel about audio, it's 500 bucks. So it's not crazy expensive, not cheap. Um, but, uh, you know, it has built into it the ability to do all of that streaming, Right. So, uh, you know, when, when I'm listening to uh, Amazon HD in my stereo, I am not doing that via my phone. Um, it is, and, and you can do it that way, and there are ways to do it that way, uh, you know, through AirPlay and such. Um, but the, this Marantz component, my audio streamer, um, uh, actually, you know, it has its own internet access, its own digital audio converters, and it accesses the streaming services directly, Right. So I tell it what to do from my iPad or, or iPhone, but it isn't the phone that's doing the streaming. It's this device that's doing the streaming. So, you know, again, for someone who's wanting to ring, you know, the absolute last, like me, who's wanting to ring the absolute last few percent of great sound out of a streaming service in a home stereo, you know, using a um, streaming component like uh, like that, as opposed to, you know, streaming it on your phone and then air playing it to your stereo does provide a slightly better experience. What do you say to people that are still holding out? You know, we know, we know a few people who we communicate with daily, you and I both, that mm-hmm. will not listen to music on a streaming service, whether it's for quality or whether it's for how they treat the artist. Now, I get how, you know, if, if the reason is how they get, how they treat the artist, right? Yep. They don't pay them enough. You know, the payout compared to what these companies are making is absolutely ridiculous. And I understand it that. Is. But when someone talks about quality, they can't really say that anymore. So what, what do you say to them? What do you say to those people who are still holding out for that reason? Yeah, I mean, the, for me, um, it isn't a question of, you know, streaming and thereby depriving artists of, revenue because if I like an album, I buy it. 
But streaming services are still indispensable for me because I want to be able to listen to it before I, before I buy it, right? I buy more music because I can sample it on streaming than I would if I had to only buy blindly, right? So no question. I actually buy more physical music because I was able to check it out streamed um, than I ever would have if I had just, uh, you know, if I were just forced to say, well, I'm going to take a lark and buy this album. Right, because then people just stick to the to, tend to stick to the bands they know. And as you know, I buy a lot of music from bands that I've more recently discovered, and that would be very challenging without streaming. Right, so uh, you know there it, there is no either or decision there for me. The streaming is uh, you know about the ability to broaden my horizons. Now, being able to do that in a way where I can really listen not just to the music but to the sound of the music and how it was recorded. I mean, you know, if anything, that's meant, that's meant that I bought even more music because I can, you know, I not I can evaluate it in both ways now. Whereas before, uh, you know, when streaming was poor quality wise, and that was your only choice, you know, you could kind of tell what the music was about, but you weren't really getting any kind of measure of how it was recorded. If your whole MO is I want to buy music um, because I want to support the artists that I listen to, and I definitely subscribe to that point of view, as I know do you. Um, there is nothing to me about streaming that has to preclude that. Um, in fact, for me, it's the opposite. I buy way more music because I can stream than I would if I didn't. Yeah, it's kind of like when you were a kid and your buddy would make you a tape of, of an album he just bought. That's right. And you'd listen to it and you'd still have the blank, you know, you'd still have the Memorex or whatever tape that you had on top of your stereo. But then the next time you went to the mall or the next time you went to a record store, because you like that album, you'd buy it. So it's the same type of, it's the same theory. Oh, it, it absolutely is. I saw this picture on Twitter the other day. I, it is just the greatest thing of the, of a record store in like the, it was probably the early sixties with just these banks of turntables and people sitting there listening to the, you know, the, the singles that were in the record store on headphones from those turntables, because that's how people sampled music back then. Right. They would go. They would literally go into the record store and listen to the, the singles that were out, and then just you know decide what they want to buy and buy it and leave. <laughs> it's true. I, mm-hmm. I, I absolutely. I mean, remember when Tower Records had those um, kiosks that yeah. would have like eight yeah. albums where you hit one and they would play this album. And I used to do that. I used to go and you know if I was kind of getting stale with what I was listening to and nothing new kind of stuck out to me, I would go and check out to see if I I'd found anything I liked. And on many occasions I did. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and yeah, I mean, and that, so that's exactly it. I mean, for me, streaming is just the modern day equivalent of going into the record store and, you know, sitting down and listening to a bunch of stuff or to your point, listening to a tape that a buddy gave me of a bunch of stuff and deciding, you know, which of those things I liked enough to buy. Um, it's the same, it's the same exact thing. Now I just get, recommendations from friends and, uh, uh, and check them out streamed. And if I like it, I order it up. We talked about bit rates. We talked about compression. We talked about all that. Do you see things going further, you know, better bit rates, better compression rates, all that stuff, or is there something new that's going to make what is existing sound better? I, I think that, I think that it's mostly the former, right? I mean, I, I think that the, you know, the, the availability 
of highly reliable, you know, high, very high bandwidth internet connections have made a lot of what caused streaming to be bad no longer particularly problematic for providers, right? I mean, some of the, you know, some of the, you know, if, if there's you know, just as exactly as you started this conversation, if there's no pressure from consumers to improve things, it doesn't improve, right? So, you know, even though there's no reason anymore um, to not provide really high quality audio until the services were forced to do it, there isn't any benefit for them to do it because it does fundamentally cost them more. It's incrementally more. And for somebody like Amazon, it's probably negligible, but, uh, you know, but it, but it does cost them more. So they have to have a reason to do it. Um, and, you know, fortunately we've gotten to the point where, you know, that demand has, has borne out and, you know, high quality has become, uh, you know, more, much more widely available. So I think that, you know, I think that now that that, now that that game has really started and there's been this escalation of, um, available audio quality from streaming services. I expect that to fully play out. I mean, I think it, you know, with, with the, with what's available bandwidth wise, I don't see why the lower bit rate services eventually just cease to exist. And I certainly hope that that's the case because again, I bet half the people who use, uh, the streaming services never bother to even go into their app and access the better quality. In fact, if people get one thing, out of this podcast, Jay. I hope it's that. I hope they go in right now to their streaming service app and change it from normal to high. <laughs> and this goes um, into you go into account settings to do that, right? Yep, yep. You just go into the settings of the app uh, and you know, and then go make that change to the settings uh, because you know that you know that way at least you're getting the best that they offer. Why don't they just make that the default sound? Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. And, and again, it's a mindset, right? I mean, I think that, you know, they, they have to change their mindset that it's better for them to, to have the default be high where yes, there's incrementally more cost to them. Um, but they, you know, there's, there should be and is unquestionably now they can see it. I think a higher level of consumer satisfaction with their product, right? I mean, it, you know, but, but it's, it's that it's that classic trade-off for anybody, right? It's the cost of what they're doing versus how much people actually like it. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, there, uh, there are going to be some vendors who are always going to choose to provide the lowest cost solution as opposed to the best quality one. So in wrapping up, the best quality, if we were to rank the top three, would be Amazon, Apple, then Spotify. Yep, that would be the order. No question about it. And, you know, this is, and, and, you know, the thing about digital audio, Jay, is that's not a subjective ranking, right? Uh, I mean, it's math. (laughs) That is the mathematical ranking of the quality of those services. So there is no, you know, there's no way that Spotify can say they don't get a fair shake. It's all in their hands, right? They could be the best, but they, right now they choose not to. What in terms of, pricing how much is the high quality amazon service yeah so i mean that you know that's that that is also an issue i mean i i'm not as familiar with spotify's pricing but you know amazon hd is is uh 13.99 a month so you know it is not uh it is you know for something that is you know for you know music junkies like you and me it's a drop in the bucket 
you know, of what we spend on music in a month. But for many people, that's not. For many people, that's not an inconsiderable expense. And I think the, you know, what is Spotify premium? I mean, it's, I think it's like half that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there, you know, it is not a, you know, it's not a zero cost consideration for the consumer. You know, you are being asked to pay more for you know, the ultimate in sound quality in that regard. And that's why I hope that at some point that dynamic will change and that, you know, differentiation won't, you know, for pricing won't be based on that. And every streaming service will be, you know, at least CD quality just because the, you know, the availability and cost of doing so is less and less. Is there anything that you know of that you've been reading and, and taking in and digesting that a year from now there'll be improvements in the existing quality as it is, as it stands today? Yeah. I mean, other than the really bleeding edge stuff like build the Atmos, um, uh, you know, there, you know, there's, there's nothing on the immediate horizon that, uh, you know, that I've seen. There've been a couple of things that, that were tried, like this thing called MQA, which was another way of improving audio quality stream that, you know, that just didn't, uh, that unfortunately the, the business model got away and it got in the way and they didn't seem to catch on. So, uh, you know, there, uh, you know, I, and I, I think that was actually a bit of a problem for the title, unfortunately. Um, but there, you know, there are, there are, there's a lot of innovation that goes on in that space and some of it makes it to the consumer level and, and some of it doesn't. But I, you know, I think the most, currently the thing that, that I've read the most about that seems to offer the most promise for, you know, and even, uh, additional incremental audio experience from, uh, you know, from streaming and from headphones uh, by streaming is, is Dolby Atmos. Well, Rob, once again, it's been a great conversation. Very informative. Thank you very much for doing this. It is absolutely a pleasure. I appreciate your, uh, your having me on. It's great to do and uh, look forward to the next time. I'm interested to see some people's feedback and see if they change from using Spotify to the Amazon high-def streaming service. It'll be interesting to see what feedback we get from this. Yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I hope that some people do. And I hope, to, I hope when, you, uh, when you post this up that we get some comments from people that they, you know, they went into their app and changed the settings and it made a world of difference for them. Well, that, that would be great. That'd be awesome. So once again, everybody, that's Rob. You can find him on Twitter, at Skylab Tapes. Great guests, great information. Hope you enjoy this conversation. I know I did. I'm Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks. We'll talk again soon.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 